Folks, I'd like to take a moment, go back to prayer. The enemy has crept into this place this morning, um, whether it be through technology, whether it be through words, whatever it be through. But um, let's, um, enemy has no place here. Enemy has no place here. And you know what? I'm not going give, to give the enemy any more, any more that um, the enemy doesn't want. You, you know, last week at First Baptist of Grotos, when they had their sound system and guitar and all, about five, $6,000 worth of stuff stolen on a Saturday night. They, they came in on a Sunday morning and all of that had occurred. But the enemy did not win. The enemy did not win. I mean, you talk about, you talk about how's the word going to get out? How's the, how's the message, how's the message of the gospel going to get out? How's, how's a church going to make it to the map? Well, <clears throat> First Baptist Gratis made it to the map. And, I mean, they were talking about it on country radio stations. They were talking about it on, on different, uh, different news networks and things like that. And, and in the midst of it, people were rising up, people were stepping up, people were willing to give, willing to lend, willing to do whatever needed to happen. And I can, I can assure you, I can assure you that they had a sound system this morning when they met or, or their meeting for worship. So um, the enemy, the enemy does not win. The enemy does not win. The enemy will not win. We just have to realize when the attacks of the enemy come. We have to realize it, and we have to be, we have to be armored all the, all the time, don't we? The armor of God is not just when we read about it. The armor of God is not, is not just something that we talk about. The armor of God is something that we must have on from our, from our head to our feet. We must always be prepared. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear most precious Heavenly Father, Lord, we, we love you and praise you in this place. And Lord, we, uh, we do thank you for the cross. We thank you that you died for us. You died for our sin. You died so that we can be forgiven of our sin. Lord, you died so that we can be in right relationship with our Heavenly Father. And, um, but Lord, the, 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 the sin problem still exists in this world. And the enemy is still the prince of this world. And Lord, we, um, we must fight against that. Your word says that we are to submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So Lord, may we, may we always be armored. May we always be ready. May we always um, be walking in the Spirit, walking with you. Lord, may we encourage and edify one another in this journey. Lord, may we, um, may we not fall victim to the flesh, the world, or the devil. And Lord, it, it's, it's, a, it's a constant battle. There are constant attacks. Lord, whatever's going on with our technology this morning, Lord, we... Um, we just give that, we give that to you as we give everything else to you. And Lord, we've watched you take care of so many different things. So Lord, as we, as we continue this journey in the book of Acts, 
as we continue to talk about the Acts of the Apostles, as we continue to talk about the history of the early church, Lord, may we learn what we are to learn, and Lord, may we, may we take this message to a lost and dying world. Lord, may the gospel go forth through us. Lord, may, and, and I pray that that is the reason for the attack. I pray that it is because we are doing the right things. We are about your business. And Lord, we know that when that is occurring, when your church is taking ground, Lord, that we know the attacks will come. So Lord, we pray that you would bind the enemy. We pray that you would... Um, that your Holy Spirit would fill this place and that the enemy would be pushed out. And Lord, we'll give you the praise, the honor, the glory. All this, you most precious and holy name. Amen. <laughs> Acts chapter 11. If you remember, if you were here last week, and if you weren't here last week, we'll kind of recap this. Scott, I almost forgot to. By the way, we have a picnic this afternoon. 1.30 this afternoon at Wendy and Isaac's. You bring the sides and the drinks. They're providing the meat. And come ready to have a great time of fellowship. Great time of fellowship. And uh, then, we'll, then we'll gather back here tonight for a, for a bit of training. But anyhow. But Acts chapter 11. If you will remember, Cornelius' house got saved. Cornelius' entire household got saved. Gentile believers got saved. And because of that, as Peter got back to Jerusalem, where, where the, the first church that had been birthed at Pentecost, when Peter got back, there were people that contended with him, that disputed with him over the fact, over the fact that it wasn't necessarily that the gospel had gotten shared with these people, but it was the fact that he sat down and ate with them. That he and six more of his entourage, who by the way were those of the circumcision, sat down and ate with Cornelius' household. And then, so they're contending, and you, but you know the defense that Peter gave for all of this. Peter gave the defense of the gospel going forth. And as the gospel was being shared, the Holy Spirit fell down upon those people. And it was at that point that, the, that those that were in contention, those that did not uh, necessarily agree, now saw, now saw that the Holy Spirit had come to the Gentiles just, he, just as he had come to the Jews. Had come to, the gospel is for all. The gospel is for all people. And so, and so we're, we're watching the progression, we're watching the progression of Christianity, we're watching the progression of the gospel going throughout the known world at that time, making its, making its journey, making its journey, and today is going to be no different. In fact, as, as we're looking at the history of the early church, as we're looking at the, at the history of this church, as we're looking at the, the new beginnings of this church, and, and as we have just renamed and rebranded and revisioned 
as we have just taken on, taken on a new, I don't know that I want to say this, but I'll say it, a new identity. But, but it's, more, it's more the identity of who we've always been. It's the, it's the DNA. It's the DNA of who we are. It, wow. Um, just putting, our, just putting our, our um, sign on the building out there this week um, sure did get a lot of reaches. Sure did get a lot of people at least looking at it. Whatever reach means, okay, um, it, sure did get a lot, it sure did get a lot of people looking at it. And, and you know what? That it, it is important to us. That, that, name, that name is important to who we are and what God is doing through us. So, again, this morning we're going to be looking at the gospel as it continues to, to spread, as it continues to go. And, you know, it spreads for reasons, it spreads for reasons that we really can't completely understand. The gospel, the gospel moves um, because of God's plan in moving the gospel and not, not man's plan necessarily. So let's pick up at Acts chapter 11, verse 19, and let's take it to the end of the chapter. So here we go. Now those who were scattered after the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, preaching the word to no one but the Jews only. But some of, these, but some of them were men from Cyprus and Cyrene, who when they had come to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenists, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. Then news of these things came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent out Barnabas to go as far as Antioch. When he came and had seen the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all that with purpose of heart they should continue with the Lord. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. Then Barnabas departed for Tarsus to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. So it was that for a whole year they assembled with the church and taught a great many people. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. And in these days prophets came from Jerusalem to Antioch. Then one of them named Agabus stood up and showed by the Spirit that there was going to be a great famine throughout all the world, which also happened in the days of Claudius Caesar. Then the disciples, each according to his ability, determined to send relief to the brethren dwelling in Judea. This they also did and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. May God bless the reading of his word. And so we're shifting gears a little bit. We've been... we we. We were talking about Saul for a bit we, uh, and Barnabas. Now we've talked about Peter again, and now we're back to talking about Saul again and Barnabas again. And, and, those, and those that were there or scattered because of the stoning or the martyrdom of Stephen. You remember that. You remember that he had been, that he had been chosen as, as one of those deacons, as one to serve, as one to serve the widows and to serve. And immediately, this man that was, that was of good faith and full of the Holy Spirit, this man, Stephen, uh, stood up and preached. And when he preached, they dragged him out of the city and they stoned him to death. And they stoned him to death. And you remember Saul was standing there. Saul was standing there affirming by watching over the clothing watching over the clothing as they were stoning Stephen to death. And because of that persecution, because those 
who were trying to persecute and, and snuff out Christianity felt like they had momentum, felt like they had um, an advantage now that it became, it became feverish, it became fervent on the, on the persecution side of things. And beca- but because of the persecution, because of the persecution, Christianity got moved out of Jerusalem and it got moved, it, it, it kept going north, it kept going, it kept going west, it kept going, it, it's, it, it would eventually go east, it would eventually go everywhere. That Christianity was moving. That, that the gospel, that the gospel was going forth through these people, through these people who chose not to keep their mouths shut. People who chose not to keep their mouths shut. They chose instead, they chose instead that everywhere they went, they shared the gospel. They shared Jesus. They shared Jesus with, with people. And something, this one is different. This one is different than Samaria. This is different from the Ethiopian eunuch. This is different from Cornelius' house. This one is different. And we'll talk about why. So let's get a little geography. Get a little geography of Phoenicia, Cyprus, Antioch. Because you're going in the, in the weeks ahead, you're going to hear about a couple of Antiochs. Today we're going to talk about Antioch, Syria. In a few weeks you'll hear Josh talk about Antioch, Pisidia different places. They, they said that Antioch, was, that Antioch was in the list number three. They said Rome and Alexandria came before Antioch. If you're talking about, might have been talking about size, might have been talking about culture, might have been talking about so many different things. But so as, as the gospel, as the persecution and the, and the diaspora and the, and the scattered ones are moving north, moving north along, along the Mediterranean Sea, along the Great Sea, as, as, there, as it's moving up, Phoenicia, Phoenicia would almost be, could almost be considered a part of Asia Minor, that it's coming into, it's coming into that area. It's going gonna, it's gonna to make, and of course, Paul's going to take it and, and is going is to move it all through that entire region. But it's, but it's there, so Phoenicia... Cyprus being an island out in the Mediterranean Sea. Cyprus is an island out there. You may from time to time see Cypriot. Cypriot is a, is a, person, from, is a per- person from Cyprus. And then, and then Antioch, that, that major metropolis, that major city. You, you, you know, cities have become such a big deal to the IMB now that the IMB is now naming city leaders. They're naming city leaders, and city leaders, city leaders have a group of missionaries that now serve with them in the big cities, in the major cities all around this globe. We now have city leaders. So, so you know, it, it, it was one thing to have a cluster leader. It was another thing to have a missionary. But now, but now, and, and, and Nairobi is what's on my mind right this moment. So Nairobi, there's a city leader in Nairobi. There's a city leader in Durban. There's a, there's a city leader in all of these. And, and if there's not one yet, there's one coming. So now we, we have even more focus that is placed upon these urban centers, these urban centers. And you know what? We're placing focus in the North American Mission Board. In, um, on the North American continent, we're placing emphasis on urban centers because it's where the largest 
number of people are. And where would you, where would you want? Now, the gospel's for everyone, right? The gospel's for everyone. The gospel's for the rural community and the urban setting. But here's the thing. If you, if you want the gospel to have, to have the greatest impact, and, and some would disagree with me on this, and, and if one particular pastor's hearing me right this moment, which he's probably preaching too, so he's not hearing me here, but he, would, he, would, he might disagree with me that, you, you know what, if you want to see the greatest impact of the gospel reaching the greatest number of people, it's in the urban centers. It's in the urban centers if you have a strategy for the gospel to go forth. Okay, and isn't it funny that the first century church had a strategy for the gospel going forth? Or isn't it funny that God had a strategy for the gospel penetrating all of these different places where the people were so that they would have the opportunity to hear the gospel? But some of them, verse 20, but some of them were men from Cyprus and Cyrene, so where is Cyrene? We know where Cyprus is. Remember, it's the island out in the Mediterranean. Cyrene is in what is now known as modern-day Libya. Modern-day Libya, the northern, the very northern piece up there of Africa, of the continent of Africa, is where Cyrene is. So, and, and, and so you think about that, and, and today, today that area is a part, if, you're, if, you're, if we're going to have a little bit of, um, I am... IMB understanding, that would be the name affinity, North Africa and the Middle East. North Africa and the Middle East is, is but these, but people were coming from everywhere. The gospel, the gospel had made its way to all these different places. Okay, the gospel had made its way to all these different places, and now these people converge on Antioch, Antioch, Syria. These people converge on this, and look at what happens. When they had come to Antioch, spoke to Hellenists. Now, who are the Hellenists? Okay, we've talked about the Hellenists. Um, Hellenists were Greek-speaking somebodies. Okay, so let me try to let me try to define that a little better. In 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 most cases, we understood Hellenists to be Greek-speaking Jews, but Hellenists were also Greek-speaking non-Jews. Greek-speaking Jews, Greek-speaking non-Jews. Okay, so you've pretty much, you've pretty much taken into account, taken into account all the Greek speakers, all the Greek speakers. And in this case, these were Greek-speaking non-Jews. Okay, so, so, and, and so I told you that this one was different than Samaria, than the Ethiopian eunuch, and then Cornelius' house getting saved. So let's look at why, let's look at why. So they, so they spoke to the Hellenists preaching the Lord Jesus. Now, remember, remember what happened in Samaria where the gospel had go, gone forth, people had received the Lord, and then they had to send, they, you remember, they had to send apostles there to verify what had occurred, and it was there when they came and laid hands on them that the Holy Spirit came. Okay, you remember that, right? You remember that. If you don't remember that, that's the way it went. Read back a few chapters back, and you'll, you'll pick that up. Okay, and then we remember the Ethiopian eunuch. What was he doing when Philip got there? He was reading from the book of Isaiah. He was reading from the book of Isaiah. So, so God was already working in this Ethiopian eunuch's um, life and heart, and, and then Philip shows up, and Philip explains, and then shares the gospel. And then in Cornelius' house, in Cornelius' house, God was working in Cornelius' family. God was doing a work, and then Peter and the entourage came from Joppa to Caesarea, remember that, and shared the gospel, and 
But this is the first time, this is the first time that they take the gospel and they go to people, they go to people. Now, I will, I will absolutely never say that God was not at work in the, in the hearts of these people prior to these folks getting there. God is doing a work that we, we, we don't even completely understand all that God is doing preparing people for the gospel to come. So the gospel, so, the, so for the first time, they, they're actually going out and, and in a sense, they're going out and visiting. They're going out, they're going out and witnessing to people who haven't, who haven't necessarily made it, we don't see the same things that we saw in Samaria, that we say, saw with the Ethiopian eunuch, that we saw in Cornelius' house. We don't see the same thing. God is working, but this is the first time that they go to the people and they take the message to the people. Okay, so if, you ever, if you're ever going to look at me and say that door-to-door is not the way we should do it, now I know we're, we live in a different world, we live in a different culture, and so on and so forth, but you know what? This was one of the ways in which the gospel went forward. This was one of the ways that they took the gospel to people Gentiles to Gentiles, because see, again, again, a new kind of church, a new kind of church is about to be formed. A new kind of church is about to be formed. Now, when I say a new kind of church, a Christian church, but Gentile believers that come to a saving knowledge, that come to a saving knowledge based upon these folks taking the gospel to them, they responding to the gospel. Now, keep on listening. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great multitude believed and turned to the Lord. Okay, so, hand of the Lord. How is the hand of the Lord with us, on us? It's in two ways. It's in two ways. Hand of the Lord is on us in the way of judgment. We can go places, and they will talk about the hand of the Lord being on us in the way of judgment. On the other side, the hand of the Lord is with us in blessing. And in this case... It was in blessing. It was in blessing that the hand of the Lord was upon these ones who took the gospel, who took the gospel to these, to these people there in Antioch, Syria, and people were turning to the Lord. People were, were coming to a saving knowledge of the Lord. Then the news of these things came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem. Isn't that funny? That, that no matter how far the gospel continued to go, it always got, back to the, always got back to that church in Jerusalem. It always got back to that church. And, and so again, and so again, as their practice was, as their practice was, they're going to send somebody. Now, we've been watching them send Peter. And then Peter would have to come back, and what did he have to do? He had to stand there and contend before the church of what had just happened. Well, in this case, you, you know what? This, this says and goes a long way to say that you, from time to time, you have to be very particular of who you send somewhere, of who you send to a place. In this case, they sent Barnabas. Why would they send Bar Barnabas? Barnabas was a Cypriot. Barnabas was a Cypriot. Barnabas was a Hellenist. Okay? Barnabas had all of those things. Barnabas knew the culture. Barnabas knew these people. Barnabas knew, knew these things, so he knew what to be looking for. He knew what to be looking for. So, and they sent out Barnabas to go as far as Antioch. 
when he came and had seen the grace of God, had seen that God, that God had poured out upon these people the same way that he poured out upon the people there in Jerusalem. Ever, ever since Pentecost and ever since Barnabas had come to the faith, Barnabas was seeing the grace of God in these people's lives, in, in that place where they were meeting. And, and so look at, look at what it says. He was glad and encouraged them all that with purpose of heart they should continue with the Lord. Folks, how many times do you hear people say, I don't go to a church. I don't need a church. I don't need a church for my Christianity to grow. For my faith to grow, I don't need a church. And, and folks, I, I hate to say this, but may I? Hogwash. Baloney. Okay? God gave us the church. God gave us the church. The church was birthed to be an encouragement and an edification to the saints, to, to, those, to those who are being raised up in the Lord, to, who have turned to the Lord. And, and, and so, yeah, would, I, would, I love, would I love nothing more than to preach to a church full of, full of um, unsaved people? I would love to. I would love to. It wouldn't be much of a church at that point, but you, you know what? God working, God working and doing what only God could do. Um, pray that all of those people would turn to the Lord. But he... He encouraged them all that with purpose of heart they should continue with the Lord. Four, this is the, the, this is the testimony of Barnabas. May it be your testimony. May it be your testimony. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. We continue to see that over and over as, as people are described, as people are described in the, in the New Testament, as people are described that are, that are, being used of God in the, in, the, in the work of the Lord. May that be our testimony. May that be our testimony. Maybe it, wasn't, maybe it wasn't the life before salvation. Maybe it wasn't the life before salvation. And yes, that is a part of our story. That's a part of our story. Talking about conversations. How about those gospel conversations this week? How about those gospel conversations with anybody this week? I had a different one. Yes, Mickey? Um, I went to the Flagstaff Car Wash. Mm -hmm. For my boss, not for me. <laughs> and um, I was just thinking about what
he said it was talking about how um, at his church they teach prosperity. Um, they don't talk about the consequences of your sin. And, um, you know, you, you turn away, you repent and turn away from your sin. They don't talk about um, what comes along with sin. Right. It's just all prosperity. It's like, oh, it's going to be so great. Things are going to be great. There are a lot of people out there with that message, and um, we have to be able to defend against that message. We have to know, we have to know that we're, what we're hearing and then defend and be able to defend. Um, thank you, Mickey. Anybody else? Josh. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord with that. Scott. So I didn't have the conversation, but I got to witness the conversation this week. I was at a business conference. And on Tuesday morning, the company that puts on this conference brought in a Christian music artist named Robbie Say. And uh, he played a worship set. He, he and his son and another guy played some of his worship music. And then uh, Pastor Gary DeSalvo got up. And this guy is, I've, I've seen him preach before. He had a, a rare form of cancer, lost an eye. And they, you know, he's got plenty of funny stories about the lost eye and, and, and all that thing. But it has metastasized, it is in his kidneys, it's in his liver. And uh, about a year ago, they gave him three months to live. Apparently he can't do math. Um, so he, but in a room of, I would say 600 people he preached the gospel mm. preached the gospel in a business setting to eh, 600 people Amen. So I, I did have an opportunity to pray with him and uh, and spend a, a couple of minutes with him and, and so that was and then at that same conference the closing speaker not a pastor he's a f-16 pilot but he talked about the things of god he talked about that relationship and so it was it was a powerful week Amen. Praise the Lord. He went to a business conference. Had to go a long ways to, to get there, but praise the Lord for what the Lord did to encourage him, encourage you. And uh, anybody else? Yeah, Richard.
Jesus Christ is the only true God. And our Lord uh, it, it saves you many, many times. If you just read the Bible and, and look at it, there's many passages that allow you that out, that way you out express yourself without actually harming anybody else. And I says, you need to do this. I says, next time tell me what So um, I knew that Richard had a potential atheist coming into his house. And the conversation that I'm having with Richard is about the gospel. A clear presentation of the gospel. Because Richard's the one that's building the relationship with this individual. This individual. And so, and so I'm trying to help him understand how to share the one true gospel. And to work around and to work around all these different beliefs, all these different religions, and all these things that we know are false, that we know are false, these gods, and all of these things. So, so that was the difference in my gospel conversation this week was to encourage, encourage another believer. Anybody else? Anybody else talking about the gospel? Hey, I'm I'm loving I'm loving the, the the fact that many of you shared this morning. And I would love nothing more than for you you all to take it and I say, let's pray, amen. And they had the conversation. Barnabas came, for he was a good man, full of Holy Spirit and faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. Then Barnabas departed for Tarsus to seek Saul. Now Barnabas, you, got, you remember that that uh, son of encouragement, that that man, that man who laid everything at the feet of the apostles. You remember who Barnabas was. You remember Barnabas could have could have pushed his ministry forward in this. You understand? Barnabas could have exalted himself in a matter of speaking with this, but Barnabas knew that there was somebody that could do what needed to happen in this place, and that person was Saul. Now, it is, it's been about six years since we've seen Saul. It's been about six years from when he went to Tarsus to where he is, to where Barnabas goes and looks for him. Barnabas goes to Tarsus, he finds him. He finds him, and when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. So it was that for a whole year they assembled with the church and taught a great many people. What is that? What, that's discipleship. That's discipleship. Let me, let me tell you something, folks. Let me tell you something. I appreciate the fact that you're here right this moment. I appreciate the fact that you're here right this moment, but it's not enough. It is not enough. Discipleship comes in small groups. Discipleship comes whether it be in Sunday school, whether it be in home group, wherever the opportunity to grow in the Lord. Okay, so, so you say, Pastor, I've been in church all my life. Okay. Pastor, I went to Sunday school. Okay. Pastor, I used to be a part of a small group. Okay. You can tell me anything you want to tell me, but you're not going to get the get-out-of-discipleship-free card. You're not going to get it. I still avail myself 
to be discipled and taught. Okay? I do it every week. Every single week. And, and you know what? It's all about being a lifelong learner. This was important in this place. This was important in this place. It says... He brought him to Antioch, so it was that for a whole year, for a whole year, they assembled and showed by the Spirit that there was going to be, oh, well, I got off there. So for a whole year, they assembled with the church and taught a great many people, and the disciples were first, were first called Christians in Antioch. So, so here's the thing. Saul and Barnabas went to this place and stayed with them and discipled them. I remember David Platt. I remember David Platt telling a story of going into the underground church. He was there in the underground church, and he had a flight to leave like the next day, the next day. And the people said, you cannot leave. We want you to disciple us on all of God's word. And, and they, weren't looking, they weren't looking to go home and go to bed. Okay, they weren't looking to leave and go to bed. They were looking to stay for the rest of the night. So you know what he did? He started teaching. And he just kept teaching. Because they were begging for it. I don't see many people around here begging for discipleship. But that doesn't mean that it's not important. And that doesn't mean that we're not going to do it. You know what? We're trying to balance. We're trying to balance evangelism and discipleship. We're trying to balance both of those because both of those are vital to the church. They're vital to the church. They're vital to you. They're vital to you. And, and so, here's what I tell you. Avail yourself for discipleship. Avail yourself for discipleship. This name, Christians, that they were given, this was not, this was not a favorable term. This was actually a term of derision. This was actually a term. This, this was actually, they, they were calling them little Christ. They were, they were calling them followers of Christ. And, and, and that was not, in that day, keep in mind where they are and keep in mind the time frame, keep in mind because of the persecution, the gospel's going forth, it's not a, it's not a good name to have Christian attached to you. But that's okay. We're Christians today. And we, and we like it. And we like it. Of course, they're not chasing us over it. They're not chasing us over it. There are some that are being chased because of it. And then look at what it says. And in those days, in these days, prophets came from Jerusalem to Antioch. So you know where they were. They were in Jerusalem, and they came to Antioch, Syria. These prophets, prophets received that gift from who? Who does a prophet receive their gift from? Holy Spirit, yes. They get their gift from the Holy Spirit, unless, unless they're a self-proclaimed, and then, we, and then we attach names like sorcerers and things like that. Then one of them named Agabus stood up and showed by the Spirit that there was going to be a great famine throughout all the world, which also happened in the days of Claudius Caesar. Now, there are some that contest whether this is accurate, that contest whether this is accurate. Well, not only did one famine occur under Claudius Caesar, four famines occurred under Claudius Caesar. And they say the one that occurred in 46 was the one that affected Israel and Judea the most, that affected that region the most. If you read, if you read church historians, you'll read people like, Josephus, you'll read people like Tacitus, um, Suetonius, people 
various historians that wrote that wrote about that time, that wrote in extra-biblical places. In other words, wrote in places outside of the Bible because sometimes people need to read it somewhere else for it to be true to them, for them to have proof. And, and this, th- there is proof of these famines. There are proof of this time. Caesar was in, was in power from 41 A.D. to 54 A.D. Okay, and it was in that four famines occurred. Four famines occurred, and this one, and this one, the church there in Syria, there in Antioch, then the disciples, each according to his ability, determined to send relief to the brethren dwelling in Judea. Folks, here, here this church has just been birthed, church has just been birthed, I don't, I don't know, I don't know what, the, what their ability was, but they sent an offering, but they sent an offering based upon their ability. They sent because they wanted to be a part. They wanted to be a part of the the church. So let me tell you what happened this week. I, I don't I don't normally share these kind of things, but I, I just want to show you what God does and how God does it. So we took up a love offering in here last week. We took up a love offering, and we gave a um, a church planner that was having some financial issues. We gave a church planner eight hundred and forty dollars. Praise God. There was a card in my box, in my folder, in the office. A card in my folder. And I opened up that card. I opened up that card. And it was a, kind of an interesting card because they, they had sent it to, they had originally sent it to the physical address of our, of our church, and it got sent back to them. Now, I want you to think about this. It got sent back to them, so they dug deeper, found the post office box, sent it again, so now I've got two envelopes. I've got the envelope with the physical address. I've got the envelope with the post office box, and in it is a card. And guess what was in that card? A check for $1,000. A check for $1,000. You tell me what God is doing. You tell me whether or not we can outgive God. And, and you know what? That's just one example. That's just one example. I've watched God's people, I've watched God's people do things that blow my mind. That I can't, you know what? Thank you, Lord. Praise your name. I could stand, you know what, we had gospel conversation. We could stand up and let a few people tell about what God has done in their midst lately, and you'd be blown away at what God is doing. I remember when Mickey went to Africa with us the last trip. By the way, Mickey's going on the next trip. But Mickey went on the last trip, and Mickey, the one thing that concerned her the most was how am I going to pay for this? Guess who raised their money first? Mickey. Okay, so, you, you know, as we see, see, we give, our church is a giving church. We gave when Hurricane Harvey hit those folks in Texas, okay? It doesn't matter. We want to be a part of it. We want to be a part of encouraging and, and doing whatever we can do to help and be a part of these kinds of things. And oh, by the way, when the year is just going along and everything seems to be going okay, we're giving to the community, uh, to the cooperative program. We're giving to the cooperative program. We give every month to the cooperative program. And I tell you that this church there in Antioch, Syria, wanted to be involved in the work that was occurring. 
And so, then the disciples, each according to his ability, determined to send relief to the brethren dwelling in Judea. This they also did and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. And sent it by their, by their hands and that offering, that offering, that, that gift from the believers there in Antioch, Syria, went to help with what was going on. Folks, that's what we want to be a part of. That's what we want to be about we, we want to, that's the church. That's the church being the church. You might not agree sometimes with what our benevolence team does. By the way, thank you, benevolence team. But, but I'm going to tell you something. Praise God, we get an opportunity pretty regularly to be the church. To be the church in situations where the church wasn't the church to these people before they came to us. And we're able to step up and we're able to do these things and we're going to do more things. And I'm encouraging our leadership. I'm encouraging our leadership, even though we are still, we're still paying back on this rebranding. Okay, we're still working on that. But God is blessing there too. Folks, I, I tell you this, we're in better shape now than we've been and I don't know when. And we just spent more money than, than we can shake a stick at. But praise God. His people, his people continue to, to step up and do what needs to be done to take care of these things. God will take care of us. God will take care of us. God will take care of our technology. God will take care of us. If we will allow God, God will work through all the things that we struggle with and all the things that we go through. But you've got to have a personal relationship with him. You've got to come to him through Jesus and Jesus alone. Jesus is the only way. There is no other God. There is no other way but Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. The sweetest name I know. Fills my every longing keeps me singing as I go. Let's pray. Dear most precious Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you, we praise you, we honor you, we thank you. And Lord, um, I pray that you would continue to move in this place, continue to do in this place what only you can do. Lord, continue to move in the lives of people. And Lord, as we, as we continue to, to watch what you are doing, thank you that you let us be a part of it. Lord, I pray for every person in this room right this moment. I pray that they know you as Lord and Savior. And if they don't know you as Lord and Savior, that they meet you and they come to know you as, as Lord and Savior, as the only one through which salvation can come. So, Lord, um, thank you for your word. Thank you for how your word teaches us and speaks. Lord, we just love you. All this in your most precious name. Amen. Let's stand together.